want to do a release date intro. Today is May 18th. And this podcast that's coming up, which is really important, it was recorded almost two months ago. And it holds a lot of value, though. Like just the other day, I was reading a post from Miss Margarita. Shout out to Miss Margarita. She had a post of like a $40,000 day. But in her post description, really keeping it real. And she's going to be a future guest on the podcast as well. But she was talking about investing and having a really good employee or virtual assistant to work with your business and to manage your business and to provide that customer service. So if you can imagine doing that type of $40,000 per day, the number of orders and the number of customer service inquiries can really add up. And that's where the importance of having a virtual assistant is really, really, really important. And that's today's episode here. So I want you to listen to it. It's going to be really awesome. And I wanted to give you an introduction to this podcast. All right, go check it out. everybody. Brian McCumber here from Tech Money Talks. I am really excited today because we have a very special guest on the podcast. We are fortunate to have Nathan Hirsch as a special guest on the show. And if you don't know who he is, then you're missing out big time because Nathan is the co-founder of FreeUp, which is a marketplace for virtual assistants and freelancers for entrepreneurs to hire. Nathan scaled this business to over $12 million and was recently acquired by another company. Nathan also practices what he preaches in e-commerce. His first e-commerce business, Nathan scaled it to a team of 30-plus virtual assistants and sold over $25 million in revenue on Amazon Marketplace. If you're interested in starting an online business to make extra money, you better save this episode in your back pocket and listen to it over and over again because the stories and the tips you're going to learn here will give you the opportunity to quickly launch your own business to help your wallet grow fat. Nathan's seen for years people struggling with hiring the wrong people. He saw people frustrated with the current education out there surrounding hiring and scaling with virtual assistants. Nathan's passion now is to share that exact VA scaling system that has worked for him and so many other entrepreneurs and to help them replicate that success. He has a better online education where entrepreneurs can really learn how to scale with a remote team while avoiding the pitfalls that newbies go through. If you're looking to scale your e-commerce dropshipping business with a team of remote virtual assistants, then find a comfortable seat Get ready to take notes because you're about to hear from Nathan, who invested and is a leading expert in this space. Time is money and everyone's looking to get a piece of his time. And I'm so happy to have him on the show today. Nathan, thanks for joining us, man. How's it going? Yeah, thanks for having me. Quite, quite an intro. I, I appreciate it. And I always love talking business, talking e-commerce, talking virtual assistants. So it should be a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, really great to have you, man. And I think this is really exciting. And it's actually, I would say, one of the first, you know, on the podcast. And actually, I think is really important for so many reasons that I think we're going to dive into throughout here. But maybe, you know, for the audience to take a step back so they can get to know you a little bit better, you can share your journey into e-commerce and uh, and then the rest of this space. Yeah, so I'm 30 now. Uh, growing up, my parents were both teachers, and I always had the mentality I was going to go to school, get a real job, work for 30 years, retire. That was going to be my life. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what they did. They're traveling the world now. But 
I knew at a young age that that's not at all what I wanted to do. And it was never more evident than when my parents made me get these summer jobs. I was working 40, 50 hours a week. My friends were outside playing. I was inside working. I learned sales. I learned management. I learned how to deal with people. But I also just learned how much I hated just watching the clock every day working for someone else. So Mm -hmm. when I got to college, I kind of had a glimpse of what the real world was like after college. And I didn't want any piece of it. So I looked at it as a ticking clock. I had four years to start my own business. And if I didn't figure it out, I was going to have to go out and get a real job and pay the bills. Yeah. So I started hustling. I started buying and selling people's textbooks. I noticed the school bookstore was ripping people off. And so I created a referral program and I offered more than the bookstore. And before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people trying to sell me their books. I was taking all that money I had made from the summers, buying people's books and then holding onto them, reselling them to different online distributors. Wow. My college found out about it and they sent me a cease and desist letter. And my parents are teachers, so I didn't want to get kicked out of college. So I quickly scrapped that business. But that was my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur. And I had sold some of these books on Amazon. This was 2008, 2009. No one really knew what Amazon was. Being an Amazon seller wasn't a thing. There were no courses or gurus or YouTube videos. No one knew what it was. And I thought it was so cool that I could have this 24-7 storefront that would deposit money into my bank account. Like all this stuff was new. And I just had to figure out what products to sell. I, I didn't, couldn't sell books anymore. So I had the idea of drop shipping years before I even knew it was called drop shipping. The concept of, hey, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have any place to store these products. And these manufacturers, these distributors, they didn't know what e-commerce was. So what if I went to them and I said, hey, I can add another sales channel. You just keep my credit card on file. Whenever I send you an order, you ship it where I tell you to charge my credit card and I'll focus on the sales and the customer service. You focus on making the product and packaging it and shipping it. And people were like, why not? Let's try it out. (laughs) And and so I started experimenting with different, different industries. I try stuff I'm familiar with like sporting goods and then video games and computers, like typical college guy stuff. And I just fail. I can't get anything to sell on Amazon. I don't know if it was just like the timing. Amazon was more of a bookstore back then. They were just getting into other products. And I kept failing and failing and failing. I kept trying. And finally, I came across this deal on a baby product. It was this toy computer. And I I listed on Amazon and sold within five minutes. So I listed another one. I listed another one. And I, I stopped I stopped listing it and I really just crossed my fingers hoping that they would get the product, they wouldn't complain, there wouldn't be any issues. If they asked for a refund, it would be terrible for me. If I lost 20 bucks, that was a ton of money. I didn't have 20 bucks to lose. So I was very <laughs> fortunate that the first few people didn't complain. They left me a few good reviews or, or I never heard from them. And I was like, wow, maybe I'm onto something. So I'm, I start spending all my time listing products on Amazon. People think I'm crazy. They looking, they're looking over my shoulder in class, and I'm just listing baby products on Amazon, drop shipping them <laughs> from, from all these places. And so my business is growing. I'm making a lot of money. And my parents tell me I should probably pay taxes, right? So I meet with an accountant for the first time. And the first question he asked me is, when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of shrugged them off. Like, why would I do that? That's money out of my pocket. They're going to steal my ideas. They're, they're going to hurt my business. And he just laughed in my face and said, man, you're going to learn this lesson on your own. Yeah. So, sure enough, my first busy season comes around and 
I just get destroyed. I'm working 20 hours a week, you know, drop shipping. It's everything. It was changing prices. It was listing products, taking products down that were out of stock, answering every customer email. I was going crazy and there was no Amazon software to help me back then either. So I work my butt off 20 hours a day just to keep this business alive. And I finally got to January and I think to myself, man, he was right. I need to start hiring people right now. And, and that led me down the path to virtual assistants, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But that's kind of the, the beginning version of how I got into books and then baby products on Amazon. Yeah. Wow, man. That's a really great story for sure. And, uh, and it's really awesome. So was it the baby products? Was that the one that you eventually scaled to like, uh, so was that that niche? Yeah. So baby products and toys were the two niches. And I mean, it makes sense. Like everyone's, it was also the recession. It was like 2008, 2010. So people are still buying baby products during a, a recession. People might not be buying sporting equipment and stuff like that. I don't know why baby products really took off. I wish there was some like <laughs> analytical research I did, but none of those tools yeah. existed back then. It was a lot of trial and error and, and guessing and figure out what worked. Yeah. Wow. And actually maybe even, even speak to that, like, uh, because a lot of people, you know, outside looking in, you know, they hear, they hear, you know, the people smashing success and they, they either one feel like it's a, some get rich quick scheme or two, you know, that, uh, you know, maybe it just happens for them or like it's some overnight success, but like, you know, even talk about that, like, you know, you know, reaching that point of finding, you know, what was selling and what was winning, um, what, what was that like? So we live in a really cool time where you don't need to drop like 50 grand or 200 grand to start a business, right? You can experiment mm -hmm. with a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, a thousand bucks. And both my companies, I started with less than $5,000, but both my companies ended up a lot different than the way they started. And that's because I took that initial money. I threw stuff against the wall to see what was working and what wasn't working. And I quickly adjusted. I, I didn't go into it with mentality of, oh, I love sporting equipment. I'm going to start a sporting equipment business and that's what I'm going to do. And all my energy is going to go towards that. It was, okay, yeah. I'm going to try it out. And if it's not working, I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to quickly pivot. I'm going to try new things. I'm going to adjust my systems, adjust my processes. So if you take that mentality, you're going to discover a lot of different ways to making money online. There's so many of them. And I tend to not follow what the other gurus are, are teaching. I mean, not that they're doing anything wrong, but to me, the, the masses just tend to go towards them. And then whatever was working tends to not work when everyone's doing it. So yeah, you, uh, you can learn something from the people that have had success, but don't be afraid to spend a little bit of money, spend a little bit of time, experiment, throw things against the wall, see what's working and make adjustments. And I'm a big fan of doing that just because of the time we live in with technology and internet. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. And and I like that you touched on uh, you know, where uh your accountant, you know, basically says, Okay, you need to hire somebody. And and I think it speaks to the point of and it, it reminds me because like I just came from that uh funnel hacking live event where Tony Robbins spoke and he really hit home on on one core topic, which was, you know, it's the difference between being a business owner versus a business operator. And there's a lot of people and, you know, say in this journey of e-commerce or drop shipping, um, you know, you're going to be hands-on and you're going to be doing a lot of the things yourself. But when you find that winner, when you find that growth, like, like you were experiencing, then all of a sudden it's up to you to put systems in place to, to get, to identify the role so that, you know, you can have people begin to 
free up your time so you can focus on your business growth and business vision and you're being a business owner, not just an operator. Because if you were still doing the the day-to-day activities across the board, then you wouldn't be able to scale as much. So it was like that difference of being a an owner versus an operator. And I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they kind of go through that honeymoon period, right? Maybe they came from a job they didn't like, or they, they didn't have a job or someone like me who had internships and we had college and we kind of were scared of the future. And you start running this business. Hopefully you're, you're passionate about it. You like it. It's exciting. It's new. You start making a little bit of money, making, maybe you're making more money than you've ever made before. And you're like, wow, this is addicting. This is fun. I can do this forever. And as time goes by, you realize that's not the case. You answering emails 24 seven only gets you so far. And there's two sides. <laughs> One side of it, you, you just burn out and you start to hate that business you created to love. And, and it kind of gets away from why you created the business to begin with. And the second side of it is there's very few solo entrepreneurs out there that are doing a million, $5 million a year. It just doesn't exist. You can't do that all yourself. Yeah. At some point you have to hire people. You have to take tasks off your plate. You can't keep adding, 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 unless you're subtracting, subtracting, subtracting on the back end. And hiring and automation is really the, the two ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, maybe even speak to that, like in your journey, as you realize the importance of that, uh, what was your path to kind of learning more about that and then figuring out what worked for you? Yeah. So it's funny. After I I had that busy season that I got destroyed, I'm sitting there in January and I'm 20. I have no idea what I'm doing. So I post a job on Facebook saying I'm looking to hire someone. And (laughs) this guy in my business law class replies and he says, "I, I don't know what you do. I need a job. And I just hired him on the spot. I didn't even interview him. And he ends up being this unbelievable hire. He's hardworking. He's smart. He's a complimentary skill set. And he's been my business partner for 10 years. His name's Connor Gillivan. He works wow. with me at Outsource School now. So that's awesome. I, thank you. And I, I just hit the jackpot, right? Like no yeah. skill involved, total luck. And there I am as this punk 20 year old thinking, man, this hiring thing is easy. You post a job on Facebook, someone <laughs> shows up, you make more money, your life becomes easier. And I just proceed to make bad hire after bad hire after bad hire, quickly learning that it's not that easy, that I just got lucky with Connor, and that I needed to build out systems and processes to interview people, to onboard them, to train them. And it took me a while to figure that out. And and off of that, I also realized, hey, I'm surrounded by college kids, most of them not very reliable. Most of them, their number one priority is not my business, it's college. And no 30-year-old wanted to work for me as a 20-year-old entrepreneur. So out of necessity, I, I kind of migrated towards the VA, towards the remote hiring world, where where I also became addicted and obsessed with just the power of, of hiring people from all over the world, part-time, full-time, project-based, different price points, different skill sets to help me operate all parts of my business that's really running 24-7 because yeah. e-commerce businesses run 24-7. Yeah, yeah. Very true. And, and very well said for sure. And it actually has me curious, like at that time, you know, how did you like even discover the, the, like the concept of like virtual assistants and that you could hire people, you know, really qualified people from other, other countries? Like what was the way that you discovered that for yourself? 
So a buddy of mine who's on one of my softball teams recommended, he's like, Hey, I had this VA in the Philippines. Like you should try her out. I got her on Upwork or whatever marketplace it was. And I tried uh-huh. her out and I was like, this is incredible. And I told my business partner, Connor at the time, I'm like, I'm going to build a VA army. That's what I called it. And, <laughs> and that's what I did. I just proceeded to hire and hire and hire and plug people in different parts of the business. And I, I eventually got frustrated because you post a job on one of the big database sites and you get 500 applicants, you interview them one by one, it just takes forever. And I kept looking for something faster where I could just be like, hey, I need a graphic designer. Hey, I need a customer service rep. And they would just introduce me someone quickly that was pre-vetted. And if anything went wrong, they would just protect me. No questions asked, make it right with me. And I kept looking, looking, looking. And when I couldn't find it, I said, you know what, I'm going to build it myself. And that's when the idea of free app came about. Yeah. Oh, really awesome. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think that that's really important. I think people are figuring this out and it really speaks to, um, I mean, it's just so powerful. I mean, I, I take a step back and really think about it, you know, even for the, the, the industry of, of e-commerce and why, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, having this, this type of success is just because everything is just seems to be coming together which is just so powerful. I mean, we're, we're living in the, in a great time of this period where, you know, now the access to technology is all at our fingertips. You don't have to be this coder to, to have that level of technology. It's at your fingertips. And then having access to like wholesale prices, like now it's just like all at your fingertips and uh, you know, anybody can have it. It's not just, you know, big corporations. And then now being able to reach millions of eyeballs around the world, you know, it's all at your fingertips. You don't have to be some, you know, fancy ad corporation to, to have that. And then now with the power of people and VA resources, you know, really, you know, being able to find them and, you know, being able to qualify them. And we're going to touch on that with, with the services that you provide, uh, which is that, you know, now being able to, to hire and scale with, with, the, with people, build a team is, is pretty much at, the, at your fingertips at this point and building a team that's, you know, global. I mean, that type of follow the sun approach where it's just like you put all those pieces together. Uh, it's just an amazing time that we live in. And it's like no question why, you know, anybody who puts that all together, I mean, they should be a success at that point, right? Yeah. I mean, people have to figure out what they want. Do they want some side <laughs> hustle money? Do they want some business that allows them to travel the world that's lifestyle? Do they want to just make as much cash as possible to save up for their kids' college? Like, what do you actually want in something? And then yeah. design a business to go around it. Because like you said, there's lots of different opportunities. There's very few get rich quick schemes. Anything's going to be a lot of work, but you could design yeah. a business that's, hey, it's passive, 200 bucks a week that you can just use for your groceries, or you can work your butt off to build a million dollar business that replaces your job and, and provides extra support for your family and allows you to buy nice cars. And all that, those opportunities are out there. You just have to figure out what makes sense with your talent. And that's really the other thing that people struggle with and, and why where I see a lot with new entrepreneurs is what are you actually good at? Like, what is your top one, two, three skills? Because a lot of people, they're taking courses, they're trying to turn their weaknesses into strengths. For me, it's like, hey, I'm good at these one, two, three things. I'm going to do those things every single day and get even better at them. And then I'm going to surround myself with people that are good at all the things that I'm bad at to help really grow my business and quickly turn those weaknesses into strengths. 
Yeah, that's really good. And actually that kind of leads to like a question. And I think that this should help a lot of people that are maybe at that point where they're, they're thinking about it or they're looking to hire at that point. Like what, uh, what should be going on in, in the, in the entrepreneur's mind of the audience, you know, if they're looking to make that first hire, you know, what, you know, who should they be looking to hire first? Like what role should they be looking to fill first? Yeah. It's definitely the toughest question to answer because every business <laughs> is different. I know yeah. personally for my last two businesses, the first thing I hire is a bookkeeper because I just don't, I hire a VA in the Philippines that knows bookkeeping really, really well. And that's just because I don't want to spend time bookkeeping. I know that bookkeeping is really important. I don't want to fall behind it right from the beginning. And I just want someone there. And then I usually go with an executive assistant to handle my VAs and do very, or handle my emails. I mean, and do various lead generation or um, tasks that, that come up. Those are usually my first two bookkeeper and lead gen. I've seen people start off with the social media virtual assistant, but before uh-huh. you even figure out like what skill set to hire for first, you need to figure out what you can actually afford. And what's cool is if you go to outsourceschool.com slash VA calculator, we have a calculator that can help you figure out how many VAs to afford. But a lot of people mess this up. I can't tell you how many times I've seen it at FreeUp where someone hires a VA, they interview them, they onboard them, they train them, they invest this time, they invest this money, and then they realize they can't really afford that VA after all, and all that time is wasted. So take a look at your at your business, how much money are you actually making? And then what percentage of that money are you willing to invest into hiring? Is it 10%? Is it 50%? Are you trying to be super aggressive, super conservative? I tend to invest about 20 to 30% of my profits into hiring and you can be Mm -hmm. at, at whatever range. But if you don't know how much money your business is making and what percentage you want to invest into hiring, you're not going to know what VAs you can hire. And just because you can't hire a full-time VA doesn't mean you can't hire people project-based or five hours a week. You you have that flexibility, but you have to understand it, which is why I built that VA calculator to help people be like, oh, I can afford two full-time VAs right now, or hey, I can only afford a $10 an hour a week VA right now. Because if you skip that step, you're going to run into a lot of issues down the line. Yeah, yeah. No, really good stuff. And it actually reminded me, um, and I actually just caught this. I think it might have even been today. I saw like this post from Gary V, and he he kind of listed out kind of like the three, uh, the three roles that uh, that you should be looking to hire for. And he was like, one was like a a numbers person, or you know, sales. Another person that would be have the skill set of writing uh, content or copy. And then another person that had a skill set of like uh, social media, and then another person that had a skill set of video. And I was wondering if you could kind of speak, you know, are those type of roles available through like uh, VAs? Yeah, definitely. And I like to divide it up between uh, followers, doers, and experts. So followers Ah, think non-US, five to 10 bucks an hour. They, they probably have past experience, but they're there to follow your systems, your processes. If you don't know how to do it yourself, if you don't have a step ABC for it, you really can't hire the followers. You, you don't want to hire someone for five bucks an hour and say, hey, go run my Facebook ads. I don't know how to do it. And that, that's not going to turn out too well <laughs> for you. Yeah. That, then you got the doers, that 10 to 30 range, more specialists like graphic designers, writers, um, video editors. And they're, they're not there to consult with you on your business and, and put you in a direction, but they're not really there to, for you to teach them how to be a graphic designer either. They're there for you to, to do a specific task for you at a very high level. And then you got the experts, the high level, they could be freelancers, consultants, could be agencies, 
they're coming in with the strategy. They might be able to execute too, but you want someone who can be like, okay, I need a marketing plan for my business. Let's hire a marketing expert to take that over and execute strategy. So we need yeah. to figure out is, hey, what do, you, what do you actually need? The followers, the doers, and the experts. Someone who is just starting a business, they might need that marketing strategist person. Where Connor and I, who we believe in our blueprint, blueprint for marketing, we really just need some specialists to do some video editing, to write some blogs, to, um, to make some good graphics, and then give it to the VA, the follower, to follow our steps. Hey, post here at this time. Hey, engage in this way. And we can really create a process for it that uses the followers and the doers. And you can plug and play those three however you want, but if you don't understand the basics of them, you're going to struggle and hire the wrong level. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really good. That's really good stuff. And I like that how you listed it out was followers, doers, and experts. And uh, and then each one at each level, of course, has different price points uh, in between. And maybe that leads to a question like, um, you know, how for the audience, like how would they know, you know, what's, you know, are they paying a good price or how do they learn more about that? Yeah, I mean, if we're just talking about VAs, five to 10 bucks an hour, five to seven or eight, if it's a, a lower level task, we're talking non-US non virtual assistants in the Philippines, which is where I love to hire. And you can increase their rate later. I had VAs when we sold free up that we were paying over 20 bucks an hour. So that's not a hard rule. That's more of just a ballpark. The, mm -hmm. the doers tend to be in that 10 to 30, 10 to 35 range, depending on their, their US or non-US. I'm a big fan of not hiring US people for the following roles, but hiring them for the, the doer and the expert roles. And then yeah. the experts could be anything. It could be 30 and up. It could be a thousand bucks an hour, depending on, on how expert <laughs> you're getting. So yeah. those are, are kind of the ballparks. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really good for sure. And, uh, and, it, and it goes to show that, you know, um, people within that space, I know some people feel like, especially in other countries, you know, maybe even speak to about that. Cause you know, especially if they're just getting started or maybe, you know, thinking about hiring a VA, you know, they might feel like, okay, maybe they're, they're taking advantage of the people because they're not, you know, paying them enough, or are they getting paid? Um, maybe even speak to like the cost of living and what, what it means to them over there that are working in other remote countries. Yeah. I mean, I want to start off by saying I'm a big <clears throat> proponent in treating people very well. One of the hardest yeah. parts of selling free up was saying goodbye to our internal team who we met in person. We, we love them. We miss them. Um, and, but we set them up for success. We took $500,000 from our sale and we gave it to our team in the Philippines. We made sure all their jobs were secure. We made sure they liked the new owners and we made sure all of our bonus and raise programs that we had in place stayed with them even after for the sale. So there are That's ways awesome. that you can not pay someone what you're paying in the US and still take really good care of them. I don't set the market, you don't set the market. The average yeah. the minimum wage minimum wage in the Philippines is $12 a day. That's not $12 an hour. That's $12 a day. So if you're paying someone 5 bucks an hour, 7 bucks an hour, you're knocking that out of the park. And there's also a lot of things that, that people don't think of, which we put in our course, but traffic in the Philippines is brutal. When I went to Manila and, and I've been there once, we waited for like 45 minutes to drive like a mile and a half. It was crazy. And they have to commute every single day to work. They also tend to have larger families. So working from home, it, it gives them a huge advantage to be able to take care of their family and have more flexible and not have to drive into work. So you're giving people a lot of opportunities. I'll yeah. also say that I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs who they couldn't afford someone in the US. They started off with VAs, they built up their business, and then they hired a bunch of people in the US. So those people wouldn't have jobs if they didn't build it up there. And I've seen other stances. I know 
with my Amazon business, we had US employees and we had VAs and freelancers. And then I've also seen people who will give a VA to each one of their employees as an assistant. So there's lots of creative ways to go about it. Everyone can decide for themselves whether they, they want to hire non-US or not, but it's not as cut and dry as like, this is good, this is bad. And you can always get creative to make it a win-win for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Very well said. I'm glad that you mentioned that. And because uh, most people don't realize that, I mean, um, <clears throat> you know, th- them living there, I mean, it's actually really beneficial in so many, so many different ways in the cost of living that, uh, that it's a great opportunity for them and they get to do, you know, hopefully some awesome work for you. And, and it's, you know, it's pretty much just like a win-win situation, which is what it seems like now uh, with that, you know, say for, for the audience, you know, if they're looking to, to get started, you know, what are like, you know, some mistakes that they should be looking to avoid that they may not be aware of in the beginning. So this is the biggest mistake that, that I see. And we teach this in the course. So you've got the interview, right? People, people for the most part, they get that they should interview someone. Whether they have a good interview process or not is a whole nother thing. But they get the interview <laughs> and, and they know that at some point they have to train the person, right? They're going to show them how to follow your steps and process. So there's a step in between, which is setting the expectations that everyone misses. So you interview someone, let's say you interview three VAs, Bob's your favorite one. You want to hire Bob. You want to hire Bob at five bucks an hour. Before you just say, hey, Bob, you're hired, let's start training, say, hey, Bob, I want to offer you five bucks an hour. And before I do that, and before you accept, let's go through expectations. Let's make sure we're on the same page with the schedule, with how we run meetings, with what our bonuses and raises are going to be like in the future, with how we communicate, with what we put up with and what we don't, what's good, what's bad. And at the end of going through this, I'm going to give you a chance to back out because I would much rather you're like, hey, you know what, after I have more information, like this isn't for me, than for us to figure this out in two months when we've already invested a lot of time and money into you. So that expectation, which we spend a lot of time on the course, is so key. And so many entrepreneurs miss it. And just spending that extra 20 to 40 minutes setting expectations with someone and giving them a chance to back out before they accept the job is going to save you hours, if not days, if not months of your hassles down the line. Yeah, yeah. No, really good. And uh, I mean, it, it's so important. I mean, you know, for your hires and and even for customers, I mean, I always view that as well. Like, you know, even our customers that that is clear about, you know, what the expectations are when you're when you're as clear as possible, you know, and then knowing that if you're over delivering on some aspects, uh, so it gives you that chance to like, you know, even show that, okay, you know, we were clear about expectations. And then also I over delivered, it gives you that chance to, to do that as well and really shine. Uh, that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, setting expectations is great. Uh, one of the things that I that I think just came to mind was, and I know it's a common question that the audience would appreciate is like, okay, what about like, you know, the concern about access to their personal information or accounts or things like that? Like, uh, what's the best way to handle that? And what, what should they be thinking about yeah, there? Great question. I mean, I'm all for like use LastPass. So you can quickly take away their access. Yeah. I'm all for like not, <laughs> not giving them everything on day one and giving it to them over time and, and all that. Um, and you can have them sign NDAs, but are you really going to chase someone across the Philippines <laughs> over an NDA? Probably yeah. not. To me, the number one way you actually protect your business is you build a relationship with the people that you're working with. And I've yeah. had plenty of people that I fired that had access to sensitive info and 
they were, they didn't try to hurt me. I didn't try to hurt them because we had built that relationship. And yes, there are horror stories out there, but that's the, not the high percentage. The high percentage is if you build trust with someone over time, they most likely are not going to want to hurt your business. So do everything possible to protect your business within reason. But at some point you've got to let go. It's not, if you think of like the big companies in the world, it's not like Mark Zuckerberg's not giving access to his top people. Like the, and even if you go smaller, like a $10 million a year business, it's not just the owner with all the access and no one getting stuff. At some point you have to trust other people and you can build up a process where, Hey, after you've been working with me for six months, I'll give you more access after it's been a year, more access. And there's other things that, that people don't think of. Like if someone has your credit card number, how much damage are they really going to do? They're going to go out there. They're going to spend some money. You're going to charge it back. You're going to get that money back with your, from your credit card provider. You're going to fire that person. And usually it's not that, that big of a deal. So within yeah. reason, be smart about it, but focus on the relationship over everything else. Yeah. Yeah. No, very well said for sure. And uh, it actually has me curious, you know, as far as like, like, a methodology or, or a system in, in place in, in meeting and, and reviewing with, with your team. So, so me also having a technology background, you know, we work out of, uh, with a scrum methodology operate in sprints. So like everything two weeks, you know, things are, we, we're constantly tracking, you know, delivery and getting, uh, you know, finding out, you know, what their capacity and velocity is day by day. And uh, so I was curious, like, as far as, you know, your, your system or approach to managing the VAs, you know, what, uh, you know, what have you used uh, as far as a methodology? Yeah. So we haven't used, we kind of just use our, our own methodology for us. We have a Monday morning meeting every single Monday with everyone. And then uh -huh. within that first Monday to Wednesday, we have one team meeting with each team. So we have an accounting meeting, we have a social media meeting, we have a, a, a blog meeting. And from there, we are talking about what went well, what didn't go well last week. We're giving them any updates on the company and we're setting the goals for what needs to be done by the time we meet next week. So it's almost like every single week you're, you're, you're getting on the same page with everyone. Then you're yeah. backing off and not looking over their shoulder whole, the whole time and letting them get stuff done. And then you're reevaluating and repeating that process. So that's what we yeah. found to be very effective. Oh, cool. Yeah, good point. So hopefully the audience that you're catching on to that as well. Like, I mean, um, you know, hiring people, but, you know, having, you know, you know, once you start hiring people and maybe even speak, speak to that, which is like, okay, you know, one, I was talking about methodology, but, you know, you're basically adding the role of, of being a, a manager or like a, a human resource, you know, manager. So maybe uh, if you can speak to the importance of that, like, you know, now you're, you're, adopting a new role because you got people to help manage, right? Yeah. And this is probably, I just filmed this part of our first course and it was, it was probably my favorite part to film because we talked about, Hey, this, yeah, this is how we run our meetings. This is also how we do one-on-one -on -one meetings, but Hey, as your business scales, you don't want to have 15 VAs that all report to you. You need to add in team leaders and assistant team <laughs> leaders. And, and you need to be able to, you need to be able to identify talent early and give people ownership of tasks so that, Hey, when you need a team leader, you're not like, Oh, who do I make a team leader? You're like, Oh, this person has proven themselves. This person's take ownership. Let's reset expectations about what a team leader is. Let's give them a yeah. little bit of a raise and let's make it. So yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not involved in every little thing. And if you do it right, I had meetings where my accounting team meeting, I didn't even have to run it. The VA that was a team leader was able to do it. So I think that's the part that people lose sight of, or, or if people do have success with their first one or two VAs, 
they start growing, they get to five, six, seven, eight. And then they're like, Oh my God, all these people are talking to me and sending me messages and I can't keep them organized. And it's because you haven't set up the structure in your business. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, one other thing that just came to mind, what about the scenario as far as, uh, uh, like workload, you know? So I would say even for, for people just getting started, um, and, and I see this come up quite a bit. Um, you know, if they're looking to hire somebody, you know, the person who wants to be hired, wants to be hired for, for a set number of hours so they can be uh, a good, you know, employee with, with the company. Um, but say as the, as the new business owner, you know, may not have the workload to keep up, to keep them busy, you know, what's, you know, what's that kind of starting point to like, you know, add in fillers that, that can be as productive as, as possible for as things are just getting started. So the first thing I like to teach people who haven't hired BAs before is on-call and instant does not exist. And you need to get that out of your head. And what I mean by that <laughs> is if you have a VA that's on-call to you, which you're not giving consistent work, and you just randomly message them and you just need something done right now, that's not going to work. It might work a time or two. It might work if the VA is new and they don't realize how bad of a situation that is for them. Yeah. But that is not a long-term solution to your business and the VA is going to hate it. So yeah. I have plenty of people that are on call to me, but this is what on call means. I need. I have a video editor that's on call. I reach out to the video editor. I say, hey, I have a project for you. We. I set an expectation that if I reach out to you, I need a response within a business day. You can just let me know, hey, I can't do it, or hey, I'm too busy, or hey, I'm booked out a week, but I need a response within a business day. So within a business day, usually faster, they reach out to me, hey, no problem, what do you need? Show them the project, hey, I can get this done by X time. I either approve it or I say, oh, you know what, I actually need it done by this time. Let me check out some other options and I go to my other video editors, which is part of why I encourage building a Rolodex of people that you can rely on. Yeah. If you are running a business and you have either day-to-day operations or stuff that is urgent, you have to get people on a schedule. Whether it can be part-time, it could be just mornings, it could be just nights, it could be a hybrid. Uh, and we teach this in the course of, hey, you know what, for 20 hours a week, I don't care when you work, but I need you available from 8 to noon every single day, Monday through, or Monday through Friday, so that we can talk and discuss then. And then if you want to do the work whenever you want, I don't care, but let's meet back here at, at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. or whatever you set up. So that that's really the mentality you have to get into the on-call urgent doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I'm glad that you mentioned that. And, uh, and it's actually kind of curious. So like, you know, and you sort of touched on that on-call might be appropriate for those type of one-offs or maybe uh, like you mentioned video editing, if uh, you know, maybe you don't have enough work for a full-time video editor, but like you said, if you're building up, uh, a relationship, knowing that there's individual video editors that you can reach out to because you need it, uh, you know, in this upcoming week or whatever, uh, then then you could bounce those things. But as far as stuff that's recurring that you know you have daily work or something like that, uh, then you want to look for something that's a little bit more consistent hours every week, right? And you can get creative with this. I had a bookkeeper that I wanted and I wasn't sure I wanted her full time, but I definitely wanted her part time and I didn't have enough work right away, but I anticipated Mm -hmm. that I would in the future. So what I said was, 
I'm going to pay you five out for five hours every single month. And you can, you can disagree with this or you can back out. Like this is just an offer that I'm making. Let me know if this works for you. <laughs> but five hours you're paid. If I only give you two hours of work that month, you still get paid the full five. If it's more than five hours, let me know. I'll pay you the extra hours. Um, but I need to know that those five hours are mine. So if for the first three months that you don't, I don't give you any work and I pay you those five hours and I come to you in, in month four with that work, you can't say, oh, sorry, I booked that time with another client because I'm booking that time right now. And so you can get creative with those solutions. It's a little bit more advanced. I wouldn't recommend doing that if you're new to hiring virtual assistants, but as long as it works for you and it works for them, a lot of times it'll, it'll still work out long-term. Really good. Very, very well said. And it actually leads me to another question. Like, um, you know, what, what tools uh, do you recommend or have you seen that work best, you know, for collaborating and, and assigning tasks to your VAs? So I like to keep it simple. We actually just made a blog post on the Outsource School blog about the tools that we use for free up. And I mean, we use Skype, although I'm a big fan of Slack now, um, but just for day-to-day -day communication. And I don't like to do anything via video. All of our meetings are in writing. If someone missed a meeting, they can go back and read it. There's no he said, she said. It's all there in writing at all times. We use Trello for projects. We use Zero for bookkeeping. Um, we use Jira for dealing with developers. It's kind of a an Asana a Trello for specifically for developers. Um, and then we set up communication channels. So email is respond next time you work within a business day, not urgent, maybe updates and reminders for Slack or Skype or whatever you want to use for chat. That's for meetings. That's for communicating while you're working. If you're logged in for me, you should be responding quickly on there. And then you've got WhatsApp and Viber, and those are for emergencies. If I need to contact you, let's say you're a developer and our software goes down and you're not working, I'll shoot you a Viber message, which goes to your phone. And I'm not just going to blow up your phone on Viber all the time. It's really just for emergencies. So being like, hey, here are the three communications channels we use. This is how we use them. And making sure people are using them important are just as important as what tool you end up using. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really awesome. And and I'd say for the most part, I think most, if not all, those apps are free, right? Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of free apps. <laughs> you don't need to get too complicated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for the audience listening, I mean, you could you could see the power that's at your fingertips here, you know, just like what we described, you know, being able to to reach out and build this team and with the tools to communicate with people around the world. And, you know, starting off, I mean, it's free for you. And then, of course, as you grow and if you're managing bigger teams, you know, there's, um, you know, bigger, you know, uh, business uh, options that are that you're able to, to buy into. You know, one of the things that uh, and I'm curious about on your opinion, if it's even worthwhile, because I know that there's, you know, some of those platforms that offer that screen capturing while the while the VA is working on their thing. Is that really necessary? I don't do it. I don't believe in it. None of that. Um, I mean, if they make a great tool, I, I know the person that, that creates Time Doctor. I have nothing against them. But to me, yeah. I'm all about the trust and the relationship um, and, yeah. and all that. I mean, if, if you really need to like spend your time watching people's screens, like that, that's not a, a good use of your time as an entrepreneur. And, and how long does it really take you to figure out that they're not doing what they should be doing? Like if two weeks goes by and I'm using a new VA, I'm going to know that they're doing it or they're not doing it and whether their hours are, are realistic. And yeah, maybe I spent a, a, like a, a little bit of money and I won't get that money back, but I can always make more <laughs> money. If I have to spend all my time watching all my VA screens just to pick out that one person who's slacking, like that's not a good use of my time. 
Uh, very well said. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel the same way. Like, I don't think it's necessary. Some people feel like it's a cool thing. Um, you know, really, I think you fall into a trap of kind of micromanaging your, your people, um, for the audience listening. I mean, what you should be focused on is that if you, if you have your systems in place or like when I spoke about methodologies, you know, knowing your velocity, work velocity, you know, knowing what's to be delivered, you're going to know. And if you have, you know, either, you know, those daily standups or, you know, weekly reviews or, or whatever process you have in place, you will know if things are being delivered or not. And if you assigned work and if you know it has an estimate amount of work uh, that's involved and you're communicating and having that relationship, um, I mean, you, you want to build a team, right? I mean, you want, you want the people that are working for you to be, uh, to be on your team and have that relationship, um, as opposed to, you know, just treating them like a stranger and you need to, you know, screen watch, you know, their every move or whatever, just to see that you're getting every dollar's worth, even though it's, <laughs> I think it's very well said with what, uh, with what you said there for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you're thinking like, oh my God, I need to monitor this person's screen. Chances are you need to get rid of that person or you need to pause their work, take a step back, reset expectations, which we'll teach you to do. Um, but uh, like something's off there. You, you, can, you don't want to proceed the rest of your life watching every employee screen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very well said. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that you mentioned that. You know, the other thing that has me curious about is like, you know, what are you doing now to to keep yourself, you know, on the edge, you know, in this space and uh, to keep things moving forward? I mean, I'm doing podcasts with great people like you. <laughs> and <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're working on an outsource school. I mean, we've been asked for years with FreeUp to create a course on how to use VAs. We honestly just didn't have time because we were so busy building this marketplace. But now that we, we sold FreeUp and we feel like we have the opportunity to help a lot of entrepreneurs. It took me five years to really figure out how to use VAs at a high level. And I wish someone had just told me how to do it, taught me how to do it. And so we're, we're yeah. really excited for this first course. If this course does go well, our first course is called Cracking the VA Code. We have a lot of ideas. We have software ideas to make it easier with VAs. We have ideas for mini courses, how to use a VA to get on podcasts or for social media. And then we have other just overall business ideas now that we have a chance to um, think outside of free up for the first time in four years. So That's awesome. exciting stuff we think is coming. We're not in any rush, but it all kind of comes down to this first course and what the reaction is. If people love it, we're going to support them and help them however we can. And if people don't, then then we'll pivot just like we kind of talked about at the beginning. You try certain things, some of them work, some of them don't, and, and you kind of learn from it and move on as an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. Very, very well said. And, uh, and actually, yeah, so the, the, the course, let's even talk a little bit about that, what you have in the works right now. Um, uh, what, what is it called again? Outsource School? So, yeah, so Outsource School is the name of our platform, and we want to build it okay. out to be an education platform. Our first course is called Cracking the VA Code, our IOTA method, and IOTA is I-O-T-M. It stands for Interviewing, Onboarding, Training, and Managing. And we're going to teach you the exact process of how we interview VAs, how we onboard them, how we train them, how we manage them. You're going to be able to see a recording of us interviewing a VA, and we're going to talk about, hey, what we're looking for. This is a red flag. This is good, and, and actually show you that process. So 
everything that we did for the past four years to build a $12 million a year business with no office and no US employees and a team of 35 rockstar virtual assistants that are very organized and motivated and love the company. We're going to teach you how to do whether you've never hired a VA before, whether you've hired a VA before and had issues, or if you've hired VAs before, had some success and want to take it to the next level. So we're going to be mm-hmm. teaching you everything you need to know in that first course. And I don't know when this will air, but it, it'll come out around mid-March. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll be able to time this related to the release of your course. So that's awesome. I'd, I'd say, uh, you know, we'll give a shout out to the course and be sure to drop the links in the show notes so that the audience can find it. But yeah, this is really great stuff. And I'd say, you know, for the audience, you know, Nathan, you know, I'd say he's probably probably one of the most leading experts on the planet in this space just because, you know, he built up that that free up platform, you know, also used it to build up his own e-commerce business. And I think he has firsthand experience and understanding, you know, the importance of, say, you know, an e-commerce entrepreneur and how to scale to uh, tens of millions of dollar business. And then also knowing, you know, the infrastructure, the back end and the systems involved for for growing and managing a virtual team around the world. Um, I, I say Nathan knows a lot about it. So, you know, this first thing, now that his time has freed up since he uh, <laughs> sold off free up that, uh, you know, he now is, is putting his vision together, which is like, okay, he can see that there's a lot of people, a lot of business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs that need to learn more about how they can scale their business if they can properly you know, add resources to kind of, you know, fill their, their business need. Right. Yeah. You nailed it. Um, <laughs> and seriously, I mean, we're looking to help a lot of people. Like if this course fail, like we have a hundred percent satisfaction guarantee. We want everyone to be happy. And if people have questions on the course, they can email support at outsourceschool.com. They can reach out to me on social media. I'm probably one of the easiest people to, to contact uh, the real Nate Hirsch on Instagram, Nathan Hirsch on Facebook. And I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Reach out to me however you want. And um, we, we really want to add value and help a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome for sure. So yeah, I'd say for the audience, keep a lookout. I'm definitely interested in it. And uh, just to see, you know, what what's coming out from, from his perspective. And then, uh, you know, really curious. Yeah. I mean, how it can also apply, you know, to other needs. I mean, it's, you know, business is one thing, but there's different parts of business. And then there's, you know, you know, if you're getting into branding, personal branding and all different aspects of it, it's a really powerful thing for sure. I think uh, this is great stuff to, to keep a lookout for. You know, one thing that uh, it kind of reminded me of is like, you know, now up to this point, as you've been working on things. So like, what does a day in your life look like now as you're kind of like running your business and then living life and stuff like that? Yeah, my day is a, a lot less crazy. It's usually <laughs> I, I wake up, I watch the, I walk the dogs while I learn Vietnamese. My fiance is Vietnamese, so I'm trying to, to pick uh, that cool. up. That, that's been a side thing I picked up since I sold free up. Um, I meditate, which is another thing that I picked up since I, I sold free up. I work for a few hours after that, I usually talking to my business partner, Connor, checking in with the VAs and freelancers they're working with, getting everyone organized for the day. I go and work out. I do pretty intense workouts for an hour from 9.15 to 10.15. I come back. And then as of right now, it's recording videos, although that'll stop at some point. Um, and going on podcasts and connecting with partners and spreading awareness of outdoor School is, is my primary focus. So that's usually my day. Awesome, man, man, that's uh, that's awesome, and uh, and actually, maybe even I'm 
kind of curious about that, speaking to meditation, like, you know, what has been the impact there now that you've been practicing that? Good question. I'm definitely not the expert on meditating. I've only been doing it for a little while. But for me, I mean, I'm very high strung. You can probably tell by the way I talk and, and how um, <laughs> how passionate I am and, and how I talk quickly. I mean, my brain is turning all the time. I'm constantly moving. I'm, I'm very high intensity. So it's not very often throughout the day that I get to really clear my head of everything. And, and to me, it's all about focus. I feel like after I meditate yeah. for the few hours afterwards, I'm, I'm incredibly high focus. And if I, if I am stressed or something's bothering me, sometimes just getting a, a fresh, clean slate will really help you think of other opportunities and, and other ideas. Yeah, yeah. No, powerful stuff for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've been uh, meditating for a while and I actually need to make it a stronger part of my routine. And uh, But there was one device uh, that I had started using because for me, I didn't know if I was meditating or like, you know, just sitting quietly or whatever. Like, was it, is it actually working? Like, I didn't know. <laughs> and I remember stumbling on this uh, device. It was called Muse. And it's like this little headset. Actually, I think I have the headset right here. Let me see if I can pull it up. That's around video, but you can't hear it in the audience. But it's like this little headset here, and it goes around and measures. It actually measures your brain waves, and it lets you know if you're reaching, you know, that that peak state and meditation. And I was just like, wow! And so it, it it shows, and it even gives you feedback along the way. So for me, especially, you know, being a techie and looking at numbers and caring about all that stuff, I'm like, okay, am I actually in that meditative state, am I actually improving? And then, of course, afterwards, you know how you feel, uh, you know, afterwards, you know, the impact of it. But I thought that was pretty powerful. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome stuff, man. So, uh, well, this is great. So, and the best way for people to follow you is what? Yeah, the real Nate Hirsch on Instagram is great. Um, follow me on Facebook, LinkedIn, it just Nathan Hirsch. And um, yeah, definitely check out Outsource School or OutsourceSchool.com slash VA calculator if you want to check that out. Okay, awesome stuff, man. Yeah, we'll be sure to drop all that in the show notes. And uh, man, yeah, you dropped a lot of value here for sure. And I think it's been like a first on, on the Tech Money Talks podcast, you know, really focusing, you know, in this space of, of VA, but I think is really important, especially for business owners that are looking to scale that, uh, you, you know, you're really going to need to build a team of people and have a system in place so that you can operate more as a business owner, as opposed to being a, a business operator, which is, which is really important, man. So one of the things I just remembered is it cool to follow up with you maybe six months down the road, have you back on the podcast? Of course. Absolutely. That'd be awesome, man, for sure. Yeah, this is great. So, uh, well, I want to give you a chance to leave some closing remarks with the audience. So I'll let you take it away. Yeah, just don't give up. No one has a 100% hiring record. I mean, the difference between success and failure is between having a 30% or an 80%. So don't don't get discouraged. You're going to make mistakes. Stuff's going to happen. There's going to be things outside of your control. Focus on what you can control. And that's your interview process, your onboarding process, your training process, and how you manage people after you've invested all that time, energy, and money into them. So if you focus on those things, uh, you'll have a lot more success. And I'd love to help you. Awesome stuff. Man, the great stuff, man. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Tech Money Talks podcast. It's officially sponsored by Spotify and Anchor FM. 
Tune in every weekday to Ask BMAC on Tech Money Talks Live. It's at 2 p.m. Central every weekday on YouTube or Facebook. Simply go to youtube.com slash techmoneytalks or go to facebook.com slash techmoneytalks. If you want to learn how to make money with no money, then go to dropshipbyphone.com. Go to dropshipbyphone.com. Be on the fast track to starting your own business. You can work with me personally. It's my dropship funnels done for you service. I work with you one-on-one to build your own store and get your very own sales fast in dropshipping. You can go to dropshipfunnels.com to find out more information. 